What's going on, folks? It is time for us to talk about individual first aid kits. So I know you're excited. I'm excited. Elliot's so excited he showed up. Come say hi, Elliot. What's up, everybody? What's going on with that new camera? How's that treating you? Not too bad. It looks pretty good, right? Yeah, you look, you look stunning. Thank um, you. My dog's so, running away. We're live. Yeah, I, I scared her. She got nervous. Uh, so for the people that are watching on Instagram, I'm about to close out. If you want to continue watching this, please join us on Twitch. So see you guys later. I don't know why I try to do two things at once because I'm incapable of that. Um, so yeah, today we are talking about, and it'd probably be a lot easier to hear me if I pulled the microphone closer to my face. Um, so today we're talking about individual first aid kits. So we've got Alex. Uh, who's going to come on. I'll let him introduce himself. He's going to teach us all of the things that we don't know and should know. If you guys happened to see the Stop the Bleed we did a couple days ago, uh, we outlined a lot of the stuff that's going to be talked about today and how to use it. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to go a little bit deeper on what you should be carrying with you, why you should be carrying with you, why it's called an individual first aid kit, and uh, hopefully answer some questions because it can become really overwhelming when you start looking at all the different options that are out there for first aid. So we're going to talk to somebody who actually knows what they're looking at versus some like content provider or content creator on like some website that's just pumping in all the stuff they saw someplace else without knowing what it is. So, Alex, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks. It's great to be here. Awesome. So, uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, so, I'm a firefighter paramedic in the Washington, D.C. region. Uh, I've been doing that for about 10 years down there. Uh, a lot of what I've specialized in is actually uh, active shooter, active, active assailant response. Um, so, I did a lot of development of policies and kits for for that sort of thing so not not necessarily the brightest thing to talk about but uh good stuff to know given the world that we live in absolutely and given how things have changed in the last 10 years i'm sure that's just become all more important definitely so yeah um i guess for most people they hear individual first aid kit and they either think of like something that's like super military based or they think of like the thing you throw in the back of your car that you get at like Walmart for 20 bucks. Uh, so let's, let's talk a little bit about it, what an individual first aid kit is. Sure. Uh, so individual first aid kits or IFACs did come from the military. Uh, that's where all of our, basically all of our knowledge on contemporary management of traumatic injuries came from also. Uh, so a lot of the technologies that we're seeing did come from that, but overall it's you can really not us. terribly complicated. Um, and it's going to come down to what is, what is your intent with this? Is this something that you want to keep on you? Is this something that you're bringing to a protest? Is this something that, uh, if you shoot, you're bringing to a range, um, and things like that are just stuff that you want to have. So the purpose to keep in mind, like if you're going to keep this in your car, right? Or if it's something you want to keep on you, if you're walking your dog, like um, I walk two of my dogs and the other day, um, my dog like scratched her nail and I think it caught the quick and she was bleeding. And I didn't, I had, you know, uh, a bandaid or two and like my back, my, my little waist pouch that I carry, but I didn't have um, anything for her. No, you know, uh, what's it called? 
um, septic powder or anything like that to like sort of stop the bleeding until we could get home. So got something that I'm looking into making now is uh, something that I could carry when I'm walking my dog, something for them just in case anything were to happen. Sure. Um, so when we're using the term IFAC, we're typically talking about uh, life threats, uh, things that are going to make a difference in whether or not somebody lives, not so much. Um, Boo-boos or like stuff that. like that. Yeah. Right, right. Um, you know, everyone should have, you know, Band-Aids, a little bit of gauze, whatever, in a first aid kit in your car. Um, but this is typically a little bit more serious, what we're talking about with, with this. Okay, sure. Um, now, that being said, you know, if you want to talk about some of the things that you might carry for that reason, um, by all means, go ahead. No, I, I was just bringing up, like, uh, I was trying to go along with saying that this is something that you need to keep in mind, like you said, the purpose. So, like, going to the range sure. or to protest or something like that, it's sure. um, something that you're going to need, um, not going to need, but something you want to have on you uh, just in case you need it rather than going to find somebody else who does. Exactly, exactly. Um, and also most of the things that we're going to talk about here are time dependent so that you you or somebody else that you're with has the ability to be help until the help arrives. Yeah, uh, I, I think one of the things I think that came away from the Stop the Bleed that uh, discussion we had a couple of days ago that never really occurred to me is that the idea of an individual first aid kit is for when somebody who is skilled comes to you that you have all the things for your own mm -hmm. personal ability to survive. Whereas I think a lot of times when I think of like packing an IFAC to go like to the range or something, I'm always thinking about how would I use this if an incident happened and do I know how to use those things? But that's kind of the opposite of really what they're for. And the idea is that everyone should have one. So even if everyone got hurt, they could each be taken care of as they are, they need to be. Certainly. And, uh, that being said, uh, if you're with a group of people for whatever purpose, have everyone else set up their kits the same way and put them in the same place so that if something does go wrong, you know where the stuff is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I guess like, let's start at like the most basics. Like what is, what's the first thing that people should be aware of that should be in their IFAC? So just in terms of, Everyday stuff. Um, I keep just some straightforward things in my, in my laptop bag. So in there, I have my cat tourniquet, which if anyone was here for the Stop the Bleed, uh, should be pretty familiar with that. Um, can we get a, just a quick show of hands, like how many, I'm not sure how many are watching, but how many were in, in here for Wednesday? If you guys just want to type it in the chat real quick. I took a stop the bleed uh, about three or four months ago. Um, awesome. And I, sorry, I missed Wednesday. I had a family thing that I had to deal with, but um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm guessing it's the basics. The, the tourniquet for me, um, I'd seen them used before, but actually uh, using it on myself and seeing how it's supposed to be done uh, was definitely a learning experience. That hands-on experience was um, definitely crucial to figuring out how it's done. So I'm not doing it on the fly 
in case, God forbid, I ever do need to use it. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. Um, so part of part of that is uh, anyone who has not watched that, I would recommend going back. Um, I thought it was excellent. I think he did a great job. Um, but I would also really like uh, anyone who is planning on using these skills to be able to attend an actual Stop the Bleed course so that you have that hands-on experience. You know, you get a feel for when a tourniquet is tight versus when it's not, uh, just stuff like that. Right. Uh, I would definitely agree with that 100%. Yeah, I think it's hard to, yeah. to see the, I guess, the real brevity of a situation without having that hands-on component. I think it makes it much more real and tangible. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so tourniquet, gloves, because people are nasty and blood's nasty. Uh, did they go into uh, chest seals at all in the Stop the Lead class? We talked about it quickly, how to apply them and kind of how their basic function, but uh, not too okay. deep. We talked a bit about venting and uh, just like very topically. Awesome. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So I carry uh, two vented chest seals also for the same purpose. Um, this quick version is vented's better than non-vented. Uh, it'll be a couple dollars more, but the the benefit that you get with a vented chest seal is definitely worth the difference. Um, the hemostatic gauze, uh, in this case, it's Cellox. I, I kind of use Cellox and uh, quick clot combat gauze interchangeably. Um, they do work in different ways, but they're both very effective products. And uh, two <coughs> emergency or Israeli bandages. That's, this is just my everyday, it's in my laptop bag, which is pretty much always in the front seat of my car with me. Um, and those are what you would call so, pressure dressings, right? Correct. The last two? Correct. Yeah, yeah. The uh, elastic bandages um, with some means of, uh, of generating pressure. Awesome. So um, what exactly, uh, like what's the difference with an Israeli bandage? Like what, why is it called that? Uh, these reels were the ones who developed it. So, uh, the, and that's, that's kind of a, a legacy name. Um, but the, uh, the emergency bandage is just how it's marketed, marketed right now. Um, I don't know if you have an open one, but <laughs> I can try to explain it. Cause I saw one at the stop the bleed, but it's got, um, I don't know if I have one here. But that's that's open. I have I have a bunch of training stuff, but I don't think it's anywhere I can grab it right now. Yeah, it's got like a little plastic buckle in it for you to um, just like if you were to put a belt buckle on. It's got it so that mm -hmm. it can double back. It applies a little bit more pressure than say just wrapping gauze around a wound, and that helps stop yeah. the bleeding. So it's a cool little um, bandage and a. Uh, mm -hmm. um, yeah, they're they're pretty neat, but they work. They're, they're very simple, uh, easy to figure out. I didn't need much practice with that one. Yeah, yeah, um, and and I've also started to really like Ace wraps also for the same job and about a quarter of the price. Yeah, um, just a sticky bandage, wrap it around. It's they're great at actually just generating pressure. Um, I would say probably comparable to emergency bandages. Good to know. Yeah, and like, what are the prices on like an Israeli bandage? Just for folks to know. <laughs> uh between 15 20 bucks okay and Definitely i know bad. uh when it's we had talked during the stop the bleed uh one of the big things that we had focused on is the importance of buying uh brand name 
So is, yes, does absolutely. that apply here as well? Yes, yes. Um, anything medical in nature, you would want to buy from a reputable vendor, not from not from Amazon. I know that's that's kind of the the go to. Uh, this is not where to buy stuff from. But uh, any any medical supplier, um, North American Rescue is the main distributor for most of the stuff. So I have no conflicts with them. I don't get paid by them. Uh, that's just the that's the the larger corporation that uh, we'll buy stuff from. Yeah, those are the only tourniquets. I'll, <laughs> those are the only tourniquets. I'll, I'll yeah. You know, yeah risk my life on. I guess. Yeah, um, worth the extra and couple the, bucks. The, yeah, and the the soft T wides are um, comparable in terms of their use. Um, what's the other one? Uh, Sam Medical also makes an excellent tourniquet, um, but cat or combat application tourniquets are what I learned on. Uh, so I have a bit of a, a uh, bias for them just for that reason that they're, they're what I learned on and they're and they're what I'm personally comfortable with. Cool. All right. Uh, so, how many of those should people have on their IFAC? Uh, two, two. two. Um, I have had people uh, who, you know, shooting victims or whatever, where they had, they got shot in the leg, and one was not enough to generate the pressure needed. So we needed to go ahead and apply a second one. Um, also, there is always the potential of you have four extremities, you can be injured in more than one of those places. Um, but I would say, I would say for your everyday person, two is probably a sufficient amount. Awesome. Um, so we've got the, the compression bandages. We've talked a little bit about the, uh, tourniquet. Well, actually, you know what, mm -hmm. could you tell us a little bit more about, uh, around the tourniquet, like what we should be looking for? Is it just the same thing? Just go through the, the standard producers and buy it from them. Yeah. Um, So North American Rescue is is the distributor for CAT in the U.S., um, but there, there are other places that sell them. Um, Rescue Essentials is another is another big one, um, which also has a ten percent off code typically when you sign up for for their emails, which you can cancel. Um, but just you know, to save a couple bucks, it's it's kind of nice to get that extra bet. Um, Where else would you, would you want to go with that? Uh, so should you have two on you as well, like you would with the Israeli bandages, or is one, do you think, usually enough? Oh, sorry. Let me clarify. Um, two two tourniquets is probably good. Uh, I would say one compression bandage is probably good also. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So you've got your compression bandage. You've got a tourniquet. What else should people typically carry on them? Uh, some kind of hemostatic gauze. So this is so this is a cellox and this is how about gauze? Yep. Um, and those are treated. So, yeah, so they they have an agent in them that induces clotting. Um, so typically those will be used in a non-compressible hemorrhage somewhere that you can't put a tourniquet. So somewhere uh, up in the shoulders, up in the neck, uh, and 
uh, particularly in the, the groin and in the pelvic area. Um, somewhere that you can't put a tourniquet on is where those are going to be ideal for you. Cool. Um, great. So what I know there's like, I think about like the first aid kits I've bought in the past and there's like a lot of stuff to stop bleeding. It, um, mm -hmm. is, is that kind of stuff something you should keep in an IFAC or should you just rely on some of the uh, like bigger products, like what you're talking about? Um, so that kind of comes back to what are, what are you trying to accomplish by this? So are you trying to have stuff for, for boo-boos or are you trying to have stuff for more significant injuries? Um, there's absolutely a time and a place for, um, you know, your four by four gauze roll, your, your band-aids, all that stuff. Um, so it really depends on what, what your intent is with this kit, where are you going? What are you doing? Um, like the example on the farm of you're cutting something with a saw, saw kicks back, cuts your arm. That's something where all you're really gonna want is to be able to throw a tourniquet on yourself and call for help. Yeah. Um, but if you're uh, at a protest or something like that and you are somewhere where you just want to be able to fix the problem and not be and not need to seek further help. Then maybe having some more uh, less intense stuff would be good to have on you. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that that brings up a really good point about the fact that these have to be pretty malleable, and what might work for one situation won't work for every situation. Mm -hmm. And I think for most folks, the idea of like I need an IFAC because I am a, a firearms owner is a big piece of that and while that may be true um chances are you probably need some other things other than those emergency like i blew off a limb doesn't mean that won't happen but like also like it's far more likely you might need something in a kit that is not specifically just for that so um whereas someone like you who's actually going out and needs a lot more equipment uh is thinking about more of that permanent damage situation where it's about survival and not necessarily like a wider scope sure. of needs. Um, sure. So yeah, I guess, um, do you think like the, the different types of kits kind of fall into certain buckets, so to speak, if that makes sense, like where it's like, this is the kind of kit somebody uses like hiking. This is a kit for somebody that's thinking about like protests. And this is a kit for like what you should have with your firearms. Well, I think sure. they, yeah, um, they come, they come down to being pretty specific though, right? Like you're gonna wanna make sure you've either built a kit or have something that's gonna uh, meet the requirements for the task at hand. So like, um, for example, like uh, um, in my car, I have two little first aid kits in there, but I've taken a look at them and they're all for, excuse me, <clears throat> they're all for uh, like boo-boos, like we said, like band-aids and like stuff like that. But the, I was mm -hmm. thinking about it and like what's missing and like there's nothing in there for like say a splint or something like that. Because if you get in a car accident, you know, you're more likely to have, you know, a broken bone or something like that than say like, oh, let me just put a bandaid on my forehead and like I'm good to go. You know what I mean? Right. So I was thinking like looking in the splints and like um, uh, like the aluminum splints and then thinking about like, I don't know how to use any of this on anybody else, let alone how to self-apply any of this. So can you, sure. can you talk about like 
yeah, like like what Andy was saying, are they specific? Do you have any general things or how specific do you get for each scenario? Sure, absolutely. Um, so hiking, I would probably consider more, uh, not necessarily boo-boo stuff, but just, it, you know, you cut your leg open on a branch or something. It's, it's just kind of gnarly. Like you're not going to die from it, but it's just going to be a pain. Um, so for that type of thing, have some gauze, have an ACE wrap. And also you can have compound things that work for multiple purposes, like an emergency dressing, you know, you, you don't have to use it on some big, massive bleeding injury. Um, you can use it where you get stuck by a stick right? and it'll still work. Um, but maybe if cost is a factor than just having some, some very basic gauze, um, something like that. Uh, Sam splints um, are probably the the better uh, lightweight aluminum splint, like you were talking about. That's pretty easily easily usable. Um, I don't know about self application, just because I've never I've never tried it. But I would. I also wouldn't really want to go out into the the wilderness by myself. Sure, so, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that kind of for those of us who were who were Boy Scouts here, the the buddy system thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, have so some, yeah. Have somebody else who can help you out with that sort of thing. I've had a rough year, and I've tried to run away several times. It's never worked out. I'm still here, but um, I have tried it, and I'm I'm not a I am ashamed, I guess, but <laughs> it's it's fine. Yeah, um, it's amazing how you think you have these skills and then you have to use them and you're like, oh, maybe I don't actually know how to do these things. Um, yeah. I, I, I cut my thumb pretty good like a year ago and I busted out my all my stuff and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm like looking at it, like reading it, like how do I use this? And like that's, you know, it's just the reality of like a lot of these things is hopefully you never have to use them. But um, to go back to the point I made earlier, it's like, well, these are really designed, like IFACs in particular are designed for like somebody who knows how to use them to have the resources available for mm -hmm. you. Um, so I guess like, I think for most people listening, their thoughts are around like um, having the basics uh, materials and things that they would need in like in a protest setting. So I don't know if you could talk a little bit yeah. specifically around that, uh, what you might need in that condition. Sure. Um so you're always going to want to have your big your your big stuff. So this is just the first aid kit that I carry on my uh, gun belt, um, just as an example. So all I have here is tourniquet, hemostatic gauze, and uh, pressure dressing. So that's small. That's easy. So that's maybe not for typical protest stuff, but maybe it's January sixth and you're in DC for a counter protest and someone in the other crowd then decides that they don't like you. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's certainly a consideration. Um, I don't really have any experience with tear gas or OC spray or something like that, but that might be another consideration, you know, have, have enough water to be able to wash your eyes out. Um, or maybe have someone else there stage that stuff for you um somewhere where you might be um so i was i was at, at work on uh J january 6th um we didn't end up going into dc for for that but 
we were part of the contingency plan should things have gotten worse than they were. Um, and I think that if you're going to be a person who is in a large scale protest setting, have your own plans on how to get yourself out of there. So I don't quote me on this. This isn't, this is second or third hand information, but I believe that the ambulances were staged like two to three blocks from the Capitol and they weren't going in any further than that. So, so you better you want to have your own. Yeah. So you want to have your own way to get out. Um, so whether that be uh, just buddy aid of having a friend help you walk out, um, having a, an actual means of get, of being able to drag somebody out, um, assuming that maybe maybe have somebody there who can drive and map out where the hospitals are, um, especially in a large in a truly large scale event, because if if say like i think i think las vegas was an, is an interesting case study for that where you had you know 500 people who were shot at once um because you're going to completely exhaust the ems system that's that's in place you're going to run out of ambulances really 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 quick so i'm not saying that, that is by any means an everyday situation but say if you're going into a large city for for a protest map out where you are map out where the trauma centers are um and have someone or multiple people designated to drive to get you from point a to point b yeah it makes sense um so i, I want to ask now when we talk about like first aid kits um there's a lot of stuff people put in and you've only listed a couple things uh, so I, I want to hear a little bit about why you've only listed a couple of things and maybe, um, some common misconceptions about what should be in like a first, in, a, in IFAC. Sure. Um, so I think that there is a bit of a difference between your home first aid kit and, or your car first aid kit and an IFAC. Um, IFACs are things to stop immediate life, th life threats essentially. Um, first aid kits and like car, home are more for inconveniences. So like, like with your case of you cut your thumb open and it was bleeding enough to be really, really, really irritating. And why won't this stop bleeding? But not was enough that- kill you? I wasn't, yeah, yeah, I wasn't afraid I was gonna you. die. Yeah. So, so yeah. they use- You know, you're, you're probably not even gonna go to the hospital for it. Um, yeah, unless you, unless it needed to get stitched because it was just in a bad place or something like that. So I guess the key word here would be trauma then, because that's a lot of the the word used for a lot of the um, stuff that you've showed. Usually it comes in kits and it's got you know the quick clot and an Israeli bandage mm -hmm. and a tourniquet and it all comes together and it says like you know um, individual like it's like a refill pack for your IFAC just in case you used yeah. whatever you had before. But it's usually Definitely. about trauma response, and when I think like home first aid kit, I'm not thinking that's for like tr like a trauma. You know what I mean? That's like you said, like sure. an inconvenience. I got a hangnail or a splinter or something like that. Um, yeah, definitely. So I think you've only named a few things because those are 
the key things that we know if you have on hand, you have a better chance of making it exactly. to wherever you need to be versus, exactly. you know, because um, a lot of these injuries, you know, time is a huge factor in it. And I feel like mm -hmm. as you add more and more things, um, that's a lot of time you're adding into the equation. So I, it, it I guess, is, is it is it that simple or... It is. It is. It's also just that you want to, to maximize space and maximize accessibility for those important things. Of uh, Sure, you can carry a backpack that has 20 or 30 different things in it, but is that something that you're going to have to dig through to be able to get to something important and it's going to take you three minutes to find it when you don't have three minutes? Yeah, right. that's a really important point that it needs to be able to be something you can get immediately because every second matters. And uh, exactly. we, we, I think I think the fact that when you go and look at, again, if you go YouTube, like individual first aid kit, like how to, you're going to see a list of 30 mm -hmm. things that should be in it. And in reality, there's like three things that you really need and everything else yeah. is nice to have, but you don't need it. It's not, those aren't the things that are going to save your life. The, the things that are, are these three specific things. And um, being able yeah, to exactly. access those is really important, especially when you may only be working with one hand or whatever it might be. You might not be able to mm -hmm. move your body very well. Like you better be able to get it easily and quickly. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, and also that being said, don't buy a kit that has anything that you are not trained to use. Um, so like some, uh, some IFACs will come with like a, a decompression needle. Um, I would advocate against having that on you because if you have it on you, then that's going to create the temptation to use it. Right. Right. Um, and I don't know about you, but I don't really want somebody who isn't trained putting a three and a half inch long needle in my chest. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, see that, that really doesn't sound like my idea of a good time. You don't want them to check it out on YouTube first. Like they got to watch the CarMax yeah. commercial, but they'll get there. Nah, that's all right. It's all right. Um, for anyone who's, who's uh, unclear on those, this is a, a decompression needle. It's very large. It's very long. Um, there is a lot of really, really important stuff in here that I don't want that needle going in. So there really isn't a reason for a lay person to have one. If you're not trained, you don't know the anatomy, um, you don't know the things to feel for, don't have that, please. Yeah. Um, now, I, I know for like a lot of people, there's certain things they should probably have on them for like if they have specific medical needs, but like, mm -hmm. like I'm thinking about like my son has an allergies to peanuts. Um, yep. So like, obviously he should, you know, carry um, his uh, EpiPen on him and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, do you feel like people should be carrying anything else, like those types of things that um, maybe they wouldn't need, but like there's a good chance someone around them might need in an emergency situation? Yeah, absolutely. So I just have a, a Pelican box that has um, mostly just over-the-counter drugs in it. Um, so all I did is just put stuff in plastic bags um, but that would be a great thing, like to carry your EpiPen. Um, I also carry uh, Benadryl, uh, Pepto, just GI stuff, um, pain relievers, being um, Advil and Tylenol, um, cough and cold stuff. Just most, it's just, it's just really nice to have. Like I bring this when I travel, and 
it skips that, you know, you uh, go out to dinner or something and get the worst heartburn of your life. You know, I already have Tums with me. I don't have to go to 7-Eleven and buy them. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like that's starting to dip into some of the, the stuff that people traditionally own. I say traditionally, I mean, like in like circles when they're talking about first aid kits or individual mm -hmm. first aid kits is stuff that should be available, especially if you're, uh, you know, peripheral to like medics, especially in a street protest mm -hmm. and things like that, where it's like, in reality, that's 90% of the stuff people are dealing with is like having to yeah, take care of those things. Obvi obviously, that means that should be in like a separate uh, bag or, you know, pouch or whatever it might be from the, the important stuff, uh, but definitely mm -hmm. stuff that you should carry with you. Um, so I saw somebody yeah, commented yeah. about Narcan. Can you speak a little bit about Narcan? Sure. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, Narcan is the antidote for opiates. So whether that be, um, uh, heroin, uh, fentanyl derivatives, um, other prescription opiate painkillers, um, this is a huge issue in, in this country. Um, and a lot of people do overdose on them. Um, so carrying Narcan is, is, is generally a good idea. Um, so do you want to uh, go into like symptoms of an opioid overdose and stuff like that too? Uh, if you want, I was thinking more about like if people want to, uh, the ease of use for delivering it or where people can get it, things like that. Sure. Uh, so at least on, on the East Coast, uh, most health departments uh, have it available to the public. Uh, it's over the counter in most pharmacies. Uh, we, where I work, actually carry it also. Uh, it, well, obviously we carry it for us, but we also carry uh, Narcan that we, that we can give out to the public. So like if, if we Narcan somebody and they don't want to go to the hospital, we can give them, we can give them Narcan also that either they or somebody else can use. Well, they're probably not going to be using it, but if they're with a family member or friend or whatever, that they can use on them. Um, it is very easy to use. Um, there's there's kind of two kinds that are available. There's, I think the only civilian ones are the ones that just look like a nasal spray. Um, like if anyone's ever seen the, just a, a Afrin bottle, that's basically what they look like. Let's see if I can pull up a little quick picture real quick. Like Flonase? Yeah. So that's yeah. that's what the the regular Narcan looks like. Um, so it just gets it's squirted up the nose, uh, half dose in one nostril, half dose in the other. Um, and the person will typically start to come back around in like three, four, five minutes, somewhere in that range. Awesome. So it's something that's pretty easy to use. Uh, it's accessible Very. to get. And uh, mm -hmm. how, how is the shelf life on it? So if you put it in your bag, how long is it going to be good for? Uh, check the date on it, but probably two to three years, depending on uh, when it was manufactured. Awesome. Um, so yeah, what else would you suggest to be in like this, I guess, other bucket of the IFAC world? Uh, certainly any of your own prescriptions. Um, if you're going to be somewhere for, for a prolonged period of time, just have extras with you. Um, so that goes for blood pressure medicines, inhalers, diabetic meds, uh, definitely any of that stuff. Um, 
but other than that, for, for me personally, I mostly just carry over the counter, um, inconvenient stuff. So your, your painkillers, your, uh, nausea and anti-diarrheal meds, uh, Benadryl, just that stuff. Sure. Now, uh, I, I want to kind of stay focused on like the, I think where most people are interested in, uh, like what they're building this for is like around that mm -hmm. protest condition. Uh, what are some things that you don't think people really think about that um, people should have on them or on the flip side, things that people are carrying that you're like, you don't need this. Why is this here? Um, so that's not really a world that I've been that exposed to. Um, but in terms of, in terms of people carrying stuff, it's, it's typically just too much stuff. Um, that that's the, the overall issue. It's just, they got so much just crap in their bag. I think Oregon at the time when they actually need the IFAC stuff, it's buried in the bottom and it's just not somewhere that it's accessible and useful. Right. And I think Andy had asked, um, you had only named like a few items that were pretty crucial. And I was thinking mm -hmm. about the first aid kits that I have in my car, both of them, I was looking through them and it's really just stuff sort of scattered in a bag. Uh, isn't very um, practical for use like in a hurry. And I, yeah. um, like having less stuff and having it organized so that you can do it without looking is definitely mm -hmm. um, super important. But definitely. going back to going back to what we were saying about um, like the difference between trauma and just sort of uh, a wound, that, a superficial wound. Um, do you have any input on like how people like? What about um, what are they called? Trauma cards, and like how to fill those out with like a sharpie. And do you have any any input on those? Um, I'll be honest with you. For me, uh, if somebody hands me that coming out of a situation, I'm probably not going to look at it. Right. Um, I, I'm going to do my own assessment, see, see what I find for their injuries. Um, like if I see what time that their tourniquet was put on, I'll consider that. But truthfully, it's not something that's really that useful to me. Um, it's great that people on the scene of just a medical emergency in general want to be helpful. Um, but that gets, that gets to the point of being distracting really really easily too much information right right yeah yeah because i i'm 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 used to coming into a situation with zero information doing my 30 second assessment and developing a treatment plan from that not having eight people talking at me trying to hand me a piece of paper sure. and talk to the actual person also sure sure odds um, uh, go ahead elliot I was going to say another thing would be, um, um, what are they called? Like liquid IVs or, or stuff like that for dehydration or like, do you have any of that stuff for, cause I've, I've been to events where it's like super hot and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And people are carrying water, but they don't have anything for like electrolytes or like anything like that. Um, do you carry that stuff around or is that still more situation specific, I guess? Um, probably more situation specific. Uh, like if I were, if I were hiking or something or just out for a prolonged period of time, then I would definitely consider it. Um, 
but for for most for most things water's good but if, if you know you're gonna be out sweating for a long time you're gonna want to be able to replenish those electrolytes in some way so having having powder is probably a powder you can just pour into water is probably the easiest way to accomplish that awesome uh so yeah are there any things that we didn't cover that you uh think we uh isn't being talked about enough or should be like reinforced that you don't think gets enough attention um probably moving people so in for, for that large protest situation um have have a plan to get the people that you're with out of the bad area um whether it just be because they had an asthma attack or something but if there's a protest and a counter protest and things are starting to get a little hairy it's likely that whatever ems is there is not going to go near that so just having a plan to get people out um yeah that would be that would probably be the biggest emphasis that i would that i would like to place on that okay uh, so folks that are watching, uh, if you want to drop any other questions in the chats before we uh, wrap this up, I'd definitely like to see if anyone else has anything that we haven't touched on. Um, so for folks that want, you know, you brought up this idea of like, you need to have easy access. So I think for a lot of people, especially like if you're thinking about in your car, it might make sense to have like multiple bags, right? Mm -hmm. um, sure. Now, sure. is there like an uh, I don't want to say international, but like, is there a common way that people identify like, all right, I've got three bags in my car, two bags in my car. This one is for like, so, you know, it's got the real shit. Yeah. And then you've got the yeah. one that's got all your meds and stuff like that. Like, is there usually like a coding system or is it just kind of like you'll shuffle through it and find it if you need it? Um, I would probably just put it in terms of, uh, severity meeting need, needs of access. So if it's so like, but all this stuff is is in my laptop bag, which goes with me everywhere, and is rarely more than five feet away from me wherever I am, whether I'm in school, I'm at work, um, I'm driving somewhere. It's always somewhere where I can get to it easily. Um, but I don't think there's any, there's not like you said, like, like a, like a national standard um, yeah. on things yeah. like that. I'm yeah. just thinking like if there was like a major accident and like you were ripping someone's trunk open and it's like, you see these bags, you'd like be like, Oh, the red one means like real bad. Green one means like, it's not terrible or something like if, that. If you're that ready to go, they have, <laughs> Vel they have Velcro uh, labels for all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the Velcro labels is a great point of, um, at least for, for us, like for our, our larger bags, it'll say like bleeding control, airway management, um, respiration, respiratory stuff, uh, things like that. So I think labeling would be better than just color coding. Cause that, that doesn't really exist, unfortunately. Sure. Um, it's okay. definitely not a bad idea. Um, but there's nothing that I know of that I've, exists. I've seen some kits that were red for obviously bleeding and blue was for airway and green was for um, mm -hmm. something Probably else. Stomach but, is my guess. Like yeah, some, some, something like that. But I don't, I don't know, know if that was, you know, a standard or anything like that, but it made sense at the time. Nah, I, I mean, even, even firehouse to firehouse, it, it can be different on, on what color means what. Honestly, I guess that's so there's, there's not. 
big bold labels. We'll just stick with so, that. Yeah, exactly. Listen, here are great ideas. <laughs> Uh, uh, for the question about first aid courses, uh, if I can just get that real quick. Um, yeah. So take so take a stop the bleed course would be would be number one. Um, if just Google stop the bleed and uh, something will come up, uh, it should be free. There, it's a it was a national program that was developed almost ten years ago at this point. Um, that can be offered by hospitals, fire departments. Um, there's a ton of options out there. Um, American Heart Association teaches a pretty good first aid course that goes over a lot of pretty broad stuff like allergic reactions, um, chest pain, stuff like that. Um, they have they have them for the um, defibrillators now, which I was looking into taking one of those because I, I see them everywhere yeah, now. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Taking a taking a CPR and AED class is something that I think should be in in every high school. Like everyone, that's something everyone should know how to do. Definitely. Yeah. Um, now, are there any other supplemental, like I know like uh, there's like wilderness first aid and like I know that as a EMT, there are required uh, continuing education classes. Are there any mm -hmm. in particular that you would say like, if you want to do one step above, this is probably a good place to go? Uh, I think wilderness first aid or wilderness first, first responder are probably both really good um, for, for your everyday person because both of those kind of take the basic first aid concepts and then really teach you more of how to think and how to improvise um, for different situations. So I think there's there's a lot of value in that. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if we'll get any more questions, uh, but I, I thought this was really interesting and informative. Uh, it definitely makes me rethink a little bit of how I've got stuff packed. Um, so I'm happy to have heard your thoughts on it. Uh, Elliot, any other questions or thoughts? Um, yeah, I know it's a little overwhelming if you're trying to build your first aid kits. Um, I think it's, like I said, uh, like we've been saying the whole time is be aware of what your situation is. Um, okay. but the other part is just try to be like, and this is a reminder to myself more so than anybody else, but keep it organized as best you can. And, um, what we've been talking about for the past five minutes is make sure you train and know how to use all of it. Um, and that's really the most important part. That's the part that I'm learning because I have a bunch of stuff, but it's been a while since I've used it. So I'm going to buy more and then I'm going to use the old stuff and kind of do a little refresher course for myself. But Perfect. it's all it's all part of uh, being prepared rather than getting caught with your pants down. So that's yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's I a absolutely huge, agree. Huge learning process. Yeah. Uh, any any final thoughts before we uh, wrap this up? Nah, uh, does anybody else have any questions? Just want to throw them in the chat real quick. Sure, and I'll I'll do my little pitch while I'll see if anyone else drops a question. So if you guys enjoyed this um, and you want to thank Adam, throw him a couple bucks on our Adam. Venmo. Wait, Adam, is there anything else that you want to plug yourself? Uh, no, not really. Um, I do I do some outside classes, um, but. I've kind of gotten away from that just because of other other obligations. But this was this was great. I love being able to just share knowledge, and hopefully, this will be able to make a difference at some, at some point. Yeah. Um, so, if folks want to throw you a couple bucks, they can send it to our Venmo at Poor Pearls Almanac. We'll get it over to Adam. Um, so, thank you so much. This was really interesting. For folks that are tuning in that have 
been uh, found us on Twitch or YouTube or Facebook or wherever you're watching this, and you're not familiar with the Poor Proles Almanac, we do a lot of stuff like this, basically skill sharing um, on our Twitch channel. Uh, outside of the Twitch channel, we also have a podcast called the Poor Proles Almanac. We have an episode coming out Sunday night, so come check it out. If you want to see more of this, you can throw us a couple bucks by subscribing on Twitch or on Patreon, and uh, the Patreon will give you early access to the episodes. And yeah, that's pretty much it. What do we have coming up next on Twitch, Elliot? Do you happen to know off the top of your head? Um, because my spreadsheet's not working. So, um, yeah. So actually, no. I think I do know. Hold on. I don't it's, uh, have it. Radio one hundred and one. So we're gonna be talking about ham radio, ham radio, all that good stuff, uh, which is another really important skill people should have because, mm -hmm. um, as places like. Russia is finding out the government can just shut down things. And uh, th that means you need to have alternative ways to reach people. So it's definitely a skill worth checking out. We'll do a 101. If you're thinking about taking the test, we're going to cover some of the basics of what you should look into. Or if you didn't even know there was a test, like there is. So you need to know about like licensing and all that good stuff. Uh, so that's pretty much it. Adam, this has been great. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for the awesome. time, Thank man. You. Definitely. Have a good one, and we're going to get this video going. Peace. Yeah.